Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Talented but troubled. Successful but in many ways an underachiever. A tortured genius who could have become one of the richest stars in the wrestling industry only for things to turn out far, far differently. While all of these things are lamentable, in truth it's a miracle that Jake the Snake Roberts is even alive at all. On the brink for decades, he had been written off countless times and was, at various points, seemingly guaranteed to be the next tragic wrestling statistic. A life marred by the demons of drug and alcohol addiction, Jake's story is not just one of him doing harm to himself. Because along with abuse comes, inevitably, trouble with other people and other institutions. For Roberts, his spiralling personal life and incidents relating to his various vices have landed him on the wrong side of the law on several occasions. Could Jake have done anything to prevent it, or was he simply snakebit from the get-go? Born into this world in the grimmest of circumstances, it could be argued that the WWE Hall of Famer was predestined for the trouble he would encounter and the tragedy he would endure. However, Roberts himself hardly helped his case with his own behaviour or actions, and there are many elements surrounding his criminal history that suggest that Jake, like one of his famous snakes, could be unpredictable, lash out, and strike at any moment. Jake Roberts was born Aurelian Smith Jr. in Houston, Texas on May 30, 1955. He was named after his father, Aurelian Smith Sr., who would become well-known as wrestler Grizzly Smith during Jake's formative years. An intimidating mountain of a man, Grizzly Smith debuted in 1958 and wrestled for various territories, winning various titles in the NWA, many of them alongside Kentuckian's tag partner Luke Big Boy Brown. Standing at close to 7 feet tall and weighing around 350 pounds, Grizzly was a daunting presence at home and his 
shadow loomed large. He didn't smarten up his kids, which included Jake's half-brother Michael, who would go on to wrestle as Sam Houston, or Jake's half-sister Robin, future WWE Women's Champion Rockin' Robin, that the business was a work and they lived in fear that their father would be seriously hurt during his matches. Jake would later recall crying himself to sleep some nights, worried that one of his dad's rivals was really going to do what they claimed they would do in their promos and kill him. As for Jake's mother, well, that is a different, entirely harrowing story itself. Not only was she 13 at the time Jake was born, but she was also the daughter of Roberts's grandmother, who Grizzly was dating. Needless to say, the conception was not consensual. According to Jake, his father then forced his mother to marry him against her will, lest the situation bring more unwanted attention. They had divorced by the time Jake's mother had turned 17. He would contend that his mother was blind to much of the sordidness that was happening in the background, but that she was a great and loving parent herself. Unsurprisingly, Grizzly Smith continued with this sickening abuse, a target of which was his own daughter, Robin. Lasting from age 8 to 14, the assaults only stopped when Robin eventually confided in her mother and left the home. At one point prior to leaving, Robin had threatened to shoot her father with his own gun if he ever touched her again. Jake mainly lived with his grandmother until she passed away, and then he moved in with his father and new stepmother, Marsha, Robin and Michael's mother, at the age of 11. He thought it would be great and was looking forward to it, but the situation quickly became a nightmare. While Grizzly Smith was abusing Robin, Jake was, according to him, being abused by Marsha. When he went to tell his father, who was fully aware of what was going on anyway, Marsha physically beat him with a coat hanger. So all of Grizzly's wrestling kids, apart from Michael, it seems, as he continued to idolize and maintain a close relationship with his father, were beaten down by his physical and psychological abuse. Aurelian Jr., Michael, and Robin did not grow up as a tight-knit trio of siblings. But their father also had two other children who did not go into the business. Another son, Richard, who rejected a pro wrestling career as he didn't want to travel, and a daughter, Jo Lynn, who was kidnapped and and they're never seen again. Jake's sister was married and had a child of her own by the time she was 18. According to Robin, at one point, Jo Lynn asked her if she felt safe and comfortable around her father. Two weeks after that conversation, Jo Lynn disappeared. According to Carl Gage, former police chief in Tatum, Texas, JoLynn was kidnapped from her home at the Cherry Park Trailer Park on November 20th, 1979. Gage responded to a call from a neighbor who had noticed some odd goings on across the way and got to the trailer park at 6.30 a.m. when he discovered JoLynn was missing. Faye Lynn Ann Rogers, the ex-wife of Joe Lynn's husband Ted Rogers, was immediately identified as a suspect. She later told police that she had been involved in the kidnapping, but that Joe Lynn, who was 5 foot 10 inches tall and weighed 200 pounds, had escaped. Joe Lynn's infant son was thankfully unharmed and left in the trailer during the attack. Though the circumstantial evidence was overwhelming, a body was never recovered, and thus a murder charge could not be filed. Instead, Faye Lynn Ann Anne was charged with aggravated kidnapping and sentenced to 30 years, of which she served seven. Officers believe that JoLynn's body was burned, as Phelan worked somewhere with an incinerator and there wasn't a trace of physical evidence to be found. 
Though Robin contends that she believes her father had something to do with JoLynn's disappearance and suspected killing, her brother Richard noted that Grizzly would carry a piece of piano wire to court with the hope that he would get close enough to fail in to do some serious damage in retribution. Police officers were aware of the revenge plot and stationed four officers around her to prevent an attack. At home, none of Grizzly's children saw him shed so much as a single tear over the loss of his eldest daughter, which struck them as strange. Ted Rogers, for his part, rejected the theory that only one person was involved in the kidnapping and believed that his ex-wife had accomplices to help her. The disappearance of JoLynn occurred while Jake was about five years into his professional wrestling career. He started out as a referee and then a preliminary wrestler and worked various territories including Mid-South, Stampede, and NWA's Big Time Wrestling. Roberts had gotten into the business not because he wanted to be like his father, but to be better than he ever was, believing that was the only way he would get the acceptance and love that he craved from him. Grizzly Smith told Jake after his first match that he was a disgrace and would never amount to anything in the wrestling business. Jake's career would continue to go from strength to strength during the early to mid-80s. Despite doing good business and getting great crowd reactions, decision-makers at various territories, including Cowboy Bill Watts and Terry Taylor in Mid-South, didn't believe that he could be or didn't want to admit that he was a top star. Seeing the writing on the wall, Jake called Vince McMahon and was offered an opportunity with WWE in early 1986. Pushed heavily from the start, Roberts, flanked by his new slithering side kick Damien had only been in the company for a month when he was booked on the card for WrestleMania 2. Vince McMahon was a fan and would gush to other wrestlers about Jake's promo delivery and undeniable magnetism. Along with his newfound fame, fortune, and notoriety came a demanding road schedule that expedited the substance abuse issues Jake had already developed as a result of his twisted upbringing. Booze, painkillers, muscle relaxers, uppers, downers, powders, steroids, Jake took them all to keep up the pace with McMahon's traveling circus, which was, at the time, experiencing an unprecedented wave in popularity. More fans means more shows, which means more time on the road and more drugs to cope with the demands of it all. The Snake was one of the promotion's most recognizable stars of the era, and though he never won a title while in WWE, he stood out due to his unique, hushed interview style, epic feuds with the likes of Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, and Rick Rude, and yes, the reptile he would release onto opponents after finishing them off with the deadliest move in the business, the DDT. Incidentally, Jake had invented the DDT by accident when wrestling the grappler in Mid-South. The two were going at it in the intense Louisiana heat and were sweating profusely when Roberts grabbed him in a front face lock and the two slipped and fell backwards to the mat, the grappler's head colliding with the canvas. Though Roberts popularized the move in the United States and made it world famous, the earlier practitioner of it was actually a Mexican wrestler called Black Gordman, who used a version of the move in his home country and in Japan. Despite indulging in some recreational activities on the road and no doubt getting into some unsavory situations, as wrestlers of the era tended to do, it wasn't until the winter of 1988 that Jake had his first serious brush with the law. 
On December 8th of that year, Roberts performed at a WWE Superstars taping at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, beating Pete Sanchez in a quick squash match. After the taping, Jake, along with several other members of the WWE crew, went to local strip club The Sugar Shack. While enjoying the festivities at The Sugar Shack, Roberts befriended a fellow club patron named John Bartlett. Roberts was leaving the club when Bartlett asked him if he was indeed Jake the Snake, to which Roberts replied, "Sometime." The two struck up a conversation and continued to drink together before moving on to another bar. At about four in the morning, the pair were driving on Nova Road when Jake began complaining about the city of Daytona Beach and, specifically, the quality of its women, or apparent lack thereof. Bartlett jumped to his city's defense and argued the opposite, which upset the inebriated WWE star who told his newfound pal, I ought to stop the car and beat your butts. And that is what he allegedly proceeded to do once both men had exited the vehicle. According to Bartlett, Jake hit him once in the stomach and then once in the eye before fleeing the scene. At around 5 foot 7 inches tall and clocking in at a slight 160 pounds, Bartlett was a much smaller man than his aggressor. The upshot was the punch to the face left Bartlett needing surgery, as a temporary steel plate had to be inserted into his face since the blow had broken his eye sockets. Bartlett was quoted in the Orlando Sentinel newspaper as saying, I'm not a movie star, but he really messed up my face and was seeking damages in excess of $5,000. Incredibly, it would take around six months for Jake to formally be arrested for the assault. When the cops finally caught up to Roberts, it would not be in some motel, seedy dive bar, or at the airport, but backstage at a WWE house show. With an outstanding warrant for his arrest still circulating, authorities were tipped off that Jake would be returning to the Sunshine State to perform at the Orlando Arena on May 8, 1989. Police watched on as Roberts beat his then-rival Ted DiBiase, then went and slapped the cuffs on him in the locker room before taking him and Damien to the Orange County Jail. Charged with aggravated battery, Jake was released an hour later when he posted a $2,500 bond. Orlando Police Lieutenant Mike Mankins was quick to note that they took proper care of the snake, while adding that the serpent's owner was very cooperative. Over a year after the initial incident, Roberts had his date in court, with Circuit Judge Gail Graziano sentencing him to 10 years of probation and fining him $10,000. Admonishing the bone bender, the judge warned, You seem to think you can go around popping people. Think before you act. Jake, meanwhile, claimed that Bartlett had started the fight and that he was not the type of person to cause trouble for no reason. Though he was a professional wrestler, Jake said that world was make-believe and that he was more of a thespian than a fighter. Sobbing in court, Jake pleaded with the judge that he'd learnt his lesson. That didn't get him off the hook, however, as Graziano also ordered Roberts to do 100 hours of community service and pay for Bartlett's medical bills relating to the incident, which had run over $11,000 by that point. If there was a silver lining for the snake, it was that the judge could have put him in prison for 30 months if he had been so inclined. But that wasn't the end of the story, because 18 months later, Jake got his convictions quashed. 
Taking his case to a state appellate court in May of 1991, Robert's conviction for aggravated assault was thrown out after he successfully argued that his attorney during the original trial was inept and that his incompetence prejudiced the jury. He also claimed that his attorney, Robert Boland of Tampa, had apologized for objecting to evidence when he shouldn't have and had to be roused from his motel room on the morning of the trial. Though Roberts had hired Boland in the first place, he had requested a new trial eight days after the initial verdict. The decision to throw out the conviction based on his lawyer supposedly not being up to par created debate among lawyers and judges in Florida, but Assistant Attorney General Dave Morgan, who represented the state during the appeal, suggested the matter may have been dropped altogether. And since there seems to be nothing else said about the case anywhere, it would appear that it was. A win for Jake in his personal life, but in his professional life, Jake had clearly peaked. A year after getting his conviction overturned, Roberts would be gone from WWE, departing in acrimonious circumstances. Jake has said in the past that he was promised the booking job that belonged to Pat Patterson prior to Patterson temporarily departing the company during the Ringboy scandal, and that when it was clear he wasn't getting the gig, he took off and negotiated with rival WCW instead, right after putting The Undertaker over at WrestleMania 8. As if you need another example of the type of luck Roberts had during his career, Jake's original big money deal was declared null and void after Bill Watts took over the company, ripping the contract up in his face and making him a new offer for a fraction of what he thought he was getting. Jake's time in WCW would be brief anyway. He would disappear by the end of 1992 and enter drug rehab, checking himself into the Betty Ford Center in November of that year. It wasn't the first time Roberts had been in a recovery program, having been in rehab at least once during his WWE run. He had failed at least two drug tests during his WWE career, leading to suspensions. Though he continued to work, Jake wrestled far less over the next few years, popping up in places like Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Mexico's AAA, and even New Japan, never staying in one place for too long as he sought to overcome his addictions. Locker rooms and the road are obviously not the best places for someone with a history of substance abuse issues. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
At some point in the early to mid-90s, he endeavoured to clean up his act and found the Lord. Rather than touring the country taking bumps, he would instead travel to different churches and tell his story. During these testimonials, he would reveal that he had tried to end his life on multiple occasions. Some within the industry were skeptical that the snake had truly changed his ways, scrutiny that only intensified when he returned to WWE in 1996, preaching the word of the Lord and Saviour as part of his new act. This second stint would prove to be his last full-time run. Unfortunately for Jake, he would credit his return to the company as contributing to a relapse, which kicked off years of drug and alcohol-related woes. Once again, it's worth noting that some, including Mick Foley, attest to the fact that Jake wasn't exactly living the gimmick of a drug-free man of faith during his last WWE run. The years following his release from the company would be dark ones, as his life and career deteriorated at a frightening speed. Roberts would also find himself back in trouble with the law. In 1998 and 1999, he was arrested twice for non-payment of child support. He was picked up the first time in July of 98 and spent three nights in a Jacksonville, Florida prison before being released. Then, in April of 99, he was arrested again on an outstanding warrant and jailed outside of Athens, Georgia. Reports at the time indicated that he was $21,000 behind in his child support payments. All told, Jake has eight kids. Considering his lifestyle, it's not a shocked to learn that his relationship with them has been an estranged one. His strained relationship with one of his children, a daughter named Brandy that Jake had with first wife Karen Rauschuber, was on display for the world to see in the acclaimed documentary Beyond the Mat, which was released in October of 1999. Roberts was one of the main wrestlers profiled in the film, which painted him out to be a washed-up addict who was shown smoking crack cocaine on camera and passing out backstage at low-rent independent shows. One of many personal and professional low points for Jake came just before Beyond the Mat made its way to cinemas, when he caused a regrettable scene at the doomed Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Booked in the show's main event, Roberts consumed a considerable amount of alcohol before the show and was completely wasted when it came time for him to perform. His pre-match promo made no sense, he at points looked like he wouldn't be able to make it to the ring, and he also made a female fan fondle his chest before he simulated a lewd act with his pet python. The whole thing was a shambles, and the show's producers were forced to cut the feed following the match when Jake began to undress in the middle of the ring. Less than two Two years later, Roberts would have another run-in with police after a bizarre incident in Niles, Ohio. Per reports, Jake was arrested on June 25, 2001 and charged with three counts, including DUI and leaving the scene of an accident. A woman named Sherry Morgan had claimed that Jake's Lincoln Town car had backed up and crashed into her car on the driver's side in a parking lot and he had driven off. Police caught up with Jake and a test administered at the scene showed that he had a 0.179 blood alcohol content. The legal state limit for Ohio is less than 0.1. Notwithstanding the fact that he was almost over twice the legal limit, Jake contended that it was actually Sherry who had crashed into his car. Morgan would later claim to suffer neck pain due to the collision. 
Jake pleaded not guilty to three charges and agreed to return for a trial at a later date. Perhaps sensing that his chances of beating the charges weren't great, he pled guilty on August 13th and was sentenced to one year of probation as well as being ordered to enter rehab. Whatever rehab he went to didn't work, because Jake's life continued to spiral and led to more legal issues, this time overseas as Roberts moved to the United Kingdom, his troubles following him across the Atlantic. As a big name from WWE's golden era, Jake had strong name value that made him a sought-after commodity for international promoters, including those in Blighty, even if he was a shell of the performer he was in his prime. On December 5th, 2001, Robert showed up as a replacement for the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith on an all-star wrestling show at Fairfield Hall in Croydon. The reviews were not pretty, as punters spoke of how Jake was in seriously rough shape, stumbling to the ring and falling over the ropes. At one point, he fell asleep on the ring apron while waiting to be tagged into the match. Two weeks later, Jake was booked for a show in Bognor Regis for a group called the Elite Wrestling Federation when he looked out and saw a crowd crowd of just 32 people. Commenting that he found it difficult to get motivated to work in front of 400 people, let alone less than a tenth of that, he told the promoter that he couldn't do it, and promptly vanished into the night. His stay in the UK was neither a commercial or critical success, but Jake continued to live and work in the country for close to four years. A major reason for that was that his girlfriend stroke manager at the time, a then 59-year-old grandmother named Valerie Burnham, was British. Bad matches and small houses were not Jake's biggest problem while he was living in England, however. In early 2002, it was reported that he was being investigated by the RSPCA for alleged animal cruelty. Snakes may have made Jake a household name, but he had something less than a love-hate relationship with the reptiles. There wasn't much love about it, with Roberts both fearful and contemptuous of his living prop. He'd been bitten many times before, and on a couple of occasions, the snake came close to killing him in the ring after it started to constrict his neck, which on one occasion caused him to pass out backstage. In WWE, he would get a new snake at the start of every tour, and it was his responsibility to care for the animal. It's fair to say that Roberts didn't always do that. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, for example, would tell a story how after a cold winter's night out on the town, he and Jake returned to their rental car where Roberts discovered that he had left his python in the boots. Duggan stated it was frozen as stiff as his own 2x4. After Roberts performed on a show in Northampton, authorities received a tip from an audience member who complained the wrestler was acting cruelly towards the latest version of Damien. An undercover agent then went to the next night's show in Leeds and they were not happy with what they saw. Two years later, on February 23, 2004, the then 49-year-old Roberts would be arrested and charged with animal cruelty after the death of Damien. Animal welfare officers had received a tip from a neighbour that the snake was being being mistreated and arrived on the scene to find it neglected. It was starving, without any food and coiled in a tiny perspex cage in the garage of Jake and his living girlfriend's Hertfordshire home. RSPCA worker Mike Martin estimated that the animal hadn't been fed in around seven or eight months. Authorities took the snake away and a specialist vet attempted to treat it. Severely underweight, the snake also had mites and a serious mouth infection, which would lead to its death three weeks later after it developed pneumonia. Jake and Valerie Burnham denied any wrongdoing and were released a day after they were arrested. 
In November, Jake was tried in absentia at St Albans Magistrates Court in London after failing to show up. His solicitor said that he would have changed his plea and did not try to defend him. The three-day hearing had concentrated on evidence concerning Burnham and a 33-year-old man named Kevin Wicks who had supplied the snake to Roberts. Both were acquitted, but Jake was not so lucky. He was convicted and had a warrant issued for his arrest. Magistrates Chairman Mike Bamford told the media that they were considering community punishment, a fine, and a ban on keeping reptiles. Jake was lucky enough to avoid a six-month prison term, but there was talk he could potentially be deported from the country following sentencing. Roberts, though, had other ideas and didn't stick around long enough to take his medicine. It was reported that, not long after he was found guilty, Jake had broken up with Valerie Burnham and moved back to the United States where he was living in Pompano Beach, Florida. To this day, Aurelian Smith Jr. has never personally stood trial or served his punishment for his crimes in the UK. Shortly after arriving back on home soil, Roberts was in trouble with law enforcement yet again. On December 30th, 2004, he was arrested and charged with cocaine possession. The arrest came about after his new girlfriend was stopped by police and found to have drugs on her person. While talking to the cops, she mentioned that her boyfriend was at a local motel and likely had more drugs there. An undercover agent went to the motel and found a crack pipe with drug residue in Jake's room, though no actual drugs were recovered. Roberts was later arrested on an outstanding warrant related to his 1999 charge for non-payment of child support and was freed after his girlfriend paid his $10,000 bail. The bad press didn't seem to do Jake's wrestling opportunities any harm as just a few months later he resurfaced on WWE television. Confronting Randy Orton during Chris Jericho's highlight reel segment on the March 14, 2005 episode of Raw, Roberts was making his first WWE appearance in over eight years. Not long after, he signed a $10,000 Legends contract, which allowed WWE to promote merchandise bearing his name and likeness and meant that Jake could be called on to do promotional work for the company. Unreliable as ever, Roberts went AWOL when WWE reached out to him several months later to book him as a guest on Bite This. Jake would have been interviewed on the show to promote the Pick Your Poison DVD WWE had released, but he never returned their calls and nobody could track him down. His life would continue to unravel over the course of the next several years, during which time he surprisingly showed up in TNA, leading to yet another regrettable incident at an independent show. Jake was due to wrestle JT Lightning on a Firestorm wrestling show in Lakewood, Ohio on September 12, 2008, when he went completely off the rails. According to reports, Roberts was found passed out backstage before the show and was belligerent and became violent when he was woken up moments before he was due to perform. Demanding an eight ball, approximately an eighth of an ounce of cocaine, he instead had to settle for about 12 mini bottles of vodka. Completely inebriated, Roberts was in no condition to wrestle and his opponent, sensing that nothing could be done to salvage the situation, took Jake down and told the referee to end the bout just a minute in before commandeering the house microphone and throwing some very harsh words toward the fallen star. Roberts responded by pulling down his pants and exposing his genitals to the crowd, which infuriated just 
just about everyone, including JT Lightning, as his young daughter was in the audience. Backstage after the match, the insanity continued, with Jake breaking his hand after punching a wall before running into the street crying. Police and an ambulance were called, but Roberts refused treatment and was not arrested for his misdeeds. After the story got picked up by TMZ, Jake's assistant Shannon released a statement claiming that he had been drugged after drinking from an open container that he had left unattended. Shannon also apologized to the promoter and fans who attended the show, but Jake's reputation was further in the mud, and he was fortunate that he didn't spend the night in the slammer after exposing himself in public. Jake had taken up WWE's offer of sponsored rehab as part of their wellness policy in December of 2007, undergoing a nine-week program. Clearly, though, it didn't stick, and Jake wouldn't get his life together until direct intervention from Diamond Dallas Page. DDP had been mentored by Roberts at the beginning of his career and sought to pay him back by guiding him on his path towards the straight and narrow. As chronicled in the 2015 documentary The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, Dallas helped transform his friend's life by moving him from Gainesville, Texas and into his own home, aka the Accountability Crib. For the next 18 months or so, they worked to get Jake to stop using drugs and alcohol while improving his overall health. At one point, Scott Hall joined them and attempted to likewise turn his own life around. Based on Jake's appearance and behavior since, it appears to have worked. He may not have gotten the Royal Rumble spot he craved in 2014, but he was invited back into the WWE fold, returning on the old-school episode of Raw. Four months later, he was inducted by DDP into the WWE Hall of Fame, and these days is signed to AEW, where he manages Lance Archer. Jake the Snake Roberts is still fighting battles, most of them health-related, but he hasn't been in trouble with the law for a long time now. In fact, the only time Jake has been involved with police of late is after he was attacked by Davy Boy Smith Jr. at a convention over comments that he had made about Smith Jr.'s father, the British Bulldog. Davy Boy Jr. and Jake were allegedly talking at the WrestleCon convention during WrestleMania 34 weekend in 2018 when the two got into an argument and Roberts was offered to step outside for a fight. When he declined and swore at Bulldog's son, Davy threw a cup of coffee at him and fled the scene. In the end, Roberts neglected to press charges. Jake the Snake Roberts is far from perfect, but when he is on song, he has one of the most valuable minds in the industry and can positively contribute to the business. His life story and criminal history make for bleak reading, but ultimately Jake's story is one of redemption and proof that nothing and nobody is a lost cause. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 